Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Gut Wrench Podcast. There's nothing like it. The Gut Wrench Podcast. You heard me correctly, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the one and only wrestling content Gut Wrench Podcast. Today is a very special day. At least for me it is. You see... There's a few things on my that's not on my notes, rather, that I would like to get off my chest before we begin. Rumors have been swirling WWE, and for that matter, the internet, that Kevin Owens is going to face Steve Austin in a one-on-one wrestling match. I, no matter how hard I look, do excuse me for that burp there, um... It's probably my feelings on that wrestling match, though. I, no matter how hard that I look, <clears throat> cannot seem to find whether or not it is a rumor, whether or not it is confirmed, and no matter where I go, it seems to say, oh, it's just a rumor. There's no way that it can happen. Austin's in bad shape. His neck takes one more bump. WWE's not only got a lawsuit on their hands, but they could possibly kill a man by severing his spinal cord from his frickin' lower back. I'm reading another article that says Steve Austin's in health, in good health. Oh, my goodness. Steve Austin, nearly 300 pounds at 50-some years old. Possibly older. But, you know, it's just like... He might be older than that, is what I'm saying. Because, you know, I don't pay attention to how old the man is. In the article, but nonetheless, what I mean to say is that it's just running rampant, wild and crazy nonsense about, and let's say hypothetical that this match is supposed to happen as the Wrestling Observer <clears throat> um, says that it's supposed to happen. Let's say that hypothetically that that's supposed to happen. Where on the card does it fit? For that matter, in most of our eyes, it would fit in the main event. Let me tell you what the problem is with that. Kevin Owens does not belong in a main event spotlight, regardless of whether it's for a championship, regardless of whether or not it's not for a championship, because it shouldn't be for a championship. I mean, he's facing the legend Steve Austin, let's be honest here. It's not going to be for a title, because Austin doesn't hold a championship right now. It would be a dream match for some people, but for others, it would be a night mare scene Kevin Owens does not deserve to step into the ring with someone as fabulous there's not even there's not even a word that I can use to describe someone like Steve Austin okay Stone Cold Steve Austin has built has laid a legacy he has blazed a trail that nobody and I mean nobody can match Stone Cold Steve Austin would be basically not only putting his own health and well-being in jeopardy by stepping into the ring with someone as careless as Kevin Owens, but also be kind of putting his legacy into the trash can. Because for a nobody... And I mean a nobody like Kevin Owens to face a somebody like Steve Austin. Kind of like a um, a jobber facing a, um, a, a local talent, rather, facing a um, well-known jobber around wrestling. You know, a local talent versus a jobber. The local talent, of course, would be Steve Austin, and the jobber would be Kevin Owens. Because imagine a scenario where Kevin Owens actually wins. I hate to say that. I really do. Even in a hypothetical scenario. But after I take that deep breath, and then I swallow the, the throw-up that I was just about to throw up onto my laptop, imagine a scenario, whether it be hypothetical or not, where Kevin Owens actually beats Steve Austin 
then what? You just flushed Steve Austin's accomplishments down the toilet. You just basically took a shit on one of your one of your five-star wrestlers, one of your most elite, who said that he would, quote, never come back because of his two neck surgeries, his uh, three leg surgeries. I don't know however many leg surgeries that the man's had. Probably multiple back surgeries. You're going to do it in his hometown of Texas. You're going to make Kevin Owens look like a real jackass. And if you was to beat Owens at the end of the match, you would expect him to get up and shake Steve Austin's hand. And for that matter, them just be, oh, you know, good match. GG, you know, good game. That's how it should end, if it were to happen. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, because quite frankly, it shouldn't happen. This entire match that they are proposing, or for that matter, that they are um, looking to make some sort of statement with, is somewhat of a sham. It shouldn't happen. It shouldn't have been proposed. Austin is not healthy enough, and for that matter, Kevin Owens is not deserving enough for a match of that caliber. I want to make it known, clear as day, that Kevin Owens doesn't deserve any praise. I've tried my best to hold my tongue about this. I've tried my best, and... Believe me, I wanted to make this, this podcast, not about Kevin Owens, not about opinions, not about the, my agenda, if, uh, because that's what people seem to think. They seem to think that I have a vendetta against Kevin Owens, that I want him buried and dead because, I don't know, he didn't sign an autograph for me at, a, at an airport. Um, he didn't wipe my ass like he wiped all of yours. He didn't kiss my baby while I was standing in line waiting to wait, waiting to meet him. I've heard it all. Somebody's jealous that they didn't get an autograph. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there and then I'm thinking to myself, all right, so I'm jealous apparently. That I didn't get my autograph signed at the airport. What? If for those of you wondering, that's what the keyboard warriors, the Kevin Owens army, seem to think. And he can be an army. That's fine. That's fine. He can be an army. Because you know what I am. I am bigger than an army. And... You know, it's going to take some time. I hate to quote this song, but it's going to take some time. Little bit of, little bit of, I don't know what he says, but it sounds like Affermine. Everything, everything's going to be just fine. Everything, everything's going to be all right, all right. Okay, aside from me ripping off late. 80s, early 90s songs, and what have you. <clears throat> and by the way, I don't own any rights to that music, so don't sue me. I don't know who owns the rights to that music, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it's not me. Oh yeah, and um, it's not me who owns the rights to that music. Moving on, today we're going to be looking at Elimination Chamber 2018, but not yet. I've got something else to get off my chest, and um, I'm going to try to make this as quick, as swift as possible, I promise you. Cody Rhodes, we got to talk. We've got to talk about what the fuck you're thinking. Okay, so maybe WWE called Cody Maybe WWE wants Cody Rhodes now that he's a big-time star. 
But you see, they could have avoided having him leave had they would have just agreed to the terms of the contract that Cody proposed in a meeting. As Cody said one time, he wanted to play. He wanted to play ball with them a little bit. He wanted to sign a contract that basically said something along the lines of I am the <clears throat> the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, but they basically looked at him and then they said no Cody we don't we don't see that here listen the only thing that we have for you mr Mr. Rhodes. And and for your wife too, she's gonna stay Eden and not even Brandy Rhodes. But um, what we're gonna go ahead and do is um, she stays Eden. We don't discuss you and her being married. You stay Stardust, the Cosmic Enlightener. And um, it's either that or y you can take a walk. You can go somewhere else. And Cody asked politely, according to an article, um, YouTube, Cody asked politely to be released from his, um, WWE contract. So, he jobbed for a few weeks to the New Day, to the Usos. He got paired with, uh, The Ascension. Um, and then after that, they let him go. So, they let him go, and, um, that was then. But then Cody apparently lost all booking power. But he could have been, he could have still been something. He could have still been... How, how do I say this? He could have still been the executive vice president. Of talent relations. Which is basically a very important title. It's basically someone who okays everyone's either their push. Or they okay their um, their gimmicks. They, they, help, they help bring these stars to the mainstream. By signing their contracts. And, and looking at those contracts. And then saying hey. What can we do in order to. Uh, adjust your your setting, your character, in order to make that character more relatable, or in order to make that person, like I said, I'm going to try to make this quick, because we've got a whole pay-per-view ahead of us, and we would have two pay-per-views had it not been for that stupid cunt known as my aunt, and I hate to call her that, but I was told at a last minute, oh yeah, and a lighting issue, that um, I neglected to fix that costed me, um, let's see, it's not my power bill, I promise you people, it's, it's a lighting issue, I just forgot to buy candles before I sat down and started putting pen to paper while I was watching, um, while I was watching this pay-per-view, and I realized something. You can't see in the dark. As the sun goes down. And once the sun went down. I couldn't see in the dark. In order to write. Um, the pay-per-views. That I was reviewing. I didn't know where I was writing on my paper. And I didn't want to overlap. Like it's it's hard to explain. I guess. Why do I use candles? Why don't I just turn on the light? I hate the eye. Like I've been in churches before. Okay. Before I, I continue with the Cody Rhodes rant, I've been in churches before, right? Whenever I go to the churches, because I've only been there like four times. Not the church's chicken, but the, you know, holy place. Not like the church's chicken um, competing with KFC and Popeyes and, and Chick-fil-A and whatever else. But, by the way... This podcast is not sponsored by any of these um, chicken places. Buck, 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 buck. Um, I'm simply mentioning their name, not to promote them, but rather to um, <clears throat> to uh, 
to tell you all of the chicken places that I know, I guess. But whenever I say churches, I've been to a church once or twice in my life, and I'm trying not to confuse those of you listening to make you think that I'm talking about Church's Chicken for whatever fucking reason they had to name a fucking restaurant Church's Chicken. Anyway, despite the delays that I've received, despite the uh, constant lighting problems, despite the... um. Uh, some dickhead, retard, fuckface, asshole, dumbass, cunt, decided that it was a good idea to come here and, oh yeah, I got notified last minute that my house was going to be under review. So, instead of recording this episode um, yesterday, like I planned on doing, and I already had half of the review written for the 2018 Elimination Chamber... The person who told me that, as I was trying to fix the fucking lighting issue that I was telling you about, I know that this is a long-winded fucking story, but please listen. Before we get to the review, or before we get to the Cody Rhodes rant, before I could get to the lighting issue, because I already had the candles in my backpack, what ended up happening was I got a phone call from my aunt, basically telling me that I'm going to have some retard come to my house and review it for a, um, so my cousin's getting out of jail soon. And whenever he does get out of jail, he's, he's set my house as a home plan. So they came in and they basically helped me clean my house because it was a royal fucking mess. But now I can see my floor. It's not like the show intervention or anything, but it was like mess. Cat food everywhere, you know. The whole shebang. And I'm not talking about Johnny Gargano, because he calls himself the whole shebang. But nonetheless, what I mean to say is that Cody was treated so badly in WWE, they wouldn't let him have the dream that he wanted to have. So, of course, he went to Ring of Honor. And after finding himself a little bit in Ring of Honor... Um, he found a group of friends in the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks, who had been told by Triple H, by WWE multiple times, that they're not what WWE is looking for at this time. Samoa Joe had been told before that he's not what WWE is looking for at this time. Samoa Joe went to Impact Wrestling. Made a name for himself. For that matter, he was one of three reasons I watched Impact Wrestling. And of course, number two would be AJ Styles. And number three would be Christopher fucking Daniels. But anyway, Cody Rhodes would go to Impact Wrestling too. Cody Rhodes would make a name for himself. Matter of fact, Cody Rhodes would have one of the best theme songs that I'd ever heard in a long time, uh, done by, here's the irony, WWE had an independent studio redo a few of their wrestlers' uh, theme songs, the same person who did the WWE um, independent theme songs, and was not contracted by the normal person who does um, WWE theme songs, for those of you who don't know, who does WWE's theme songs? His name is Jim Johnson. He works with a team, uh, uh, basically another guy named CFO. Oh yeah, and whenever you're spelling CFO on YouTube, put C, capital C, capital F, capital O, and then put a money sign, like a dollar sign beside of it. And then you'll find all of his work. <clears throat> It stands for Chief Financial Officer, for those of you who don't know. CFO is a real job, by the way. But, that was just his name. <clears throat> and, um, Cody Rhodes' theme song, it really rung in my head. Especially with the, wrestling has more than one royal 
family. Of course, he's referring to the Rhodes. Uh, I'm sorry, he's referring to the Flares, the the Pipers. Um, from what I'm told, Rowdy Piper's uh, daughter might be starting wrestling soon. I could be wrong about that. Um, he's talking about the Benoit's. He's talking about um, about mostly just the the whole Flair thing, you know. <coughs> Because the only family that was ever treated like royalty was Ric Flair's family. But anyway, it really confuses me. Cody, what in the fuck are you thinking? You go to... Even in AEW, your fans... These fans really need to get their shit together. Because they're booing Roman Reigns. Whenever they wanted him to turn heel. I talked about this shit last week. It's so fucking stupid. Why do you boo a man that you wanted to turn heel? If anything, you should praise him because he gave you what you wanted, didn't he? For the better part of 2015, 2016, and especially in 2018, whenever Roman won this elimination chamber, spoiler alert, he won. And earlier in the night, before he won, he said, there's a spoiler alert. I'm going to win the Elimination Chamber, and then I'm going to go on to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And this is not a prediction. He said this himself. This is a spoiler alert. I'm going to beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And at that year's WrestleMania, memory serves me correctly, He's he walked out as champion. Because this wasn't the mania where um, Seth Rollins cashed in. They referenced that that was three years ago. But had that been the case. Whenever Cody Rhodes faced Malachi Black, for instance. Malachi, keep in, keep in um, mind, is the heel in this scenario so he's the bad guy and Cody was painted as the face and the underdog yet the fans seem to find it funny for whatever reason to boo Cody as he's entering okay and Cody after the match gets on the microphone and says I love you to the fans and they start booing him and chanting, fuck you. What in the hell is wrong with you people? Cody, over the past few weeks, though, has been sending cryptic messages. It's nothing compared to what Chris Jericho did back in the day, you know, uh, where he would send cryptic messages through the Titantron and you didn't know what to make heads or tails of it where he would be like um can you break the code or whatever and then finally he comes out looking like John Bon Jovi from 2007 um and then they're like oh my god it's Chris Jericho we haven't seen him in years Despite all the setbacks, though, despite the, the fucking lighting problem, despite the fact that I had some crackhead looking up and down my house um, for, I guess, guns, firearms, drugs, anything that a, a parolee would need to stay away from, here I am. I'm a day fucking late, but it's okay. It's fine. We're 25 minutes into this, which means that I just wasted a quarter of your all's hour that I promise you. No, wait. An hour's not 100 minutes. I don't know why I said it's 60. Almost wasted half your all's time is what I'm trying to get, get at. And I do apologize for that. But I've already done the intro. There's no point in me introducing myself again. So let's get this shit show started. I could probably sit here and ramble all day about fucking Cody Rhodes. And, oh, and the Steve Austin situation. Don't even get me fucking started on that. Alexa Bliss champion versus Bailey versus Mandy Rose 
versus Sonia Deville versus Sasha Banks versus Mickey James. First ever championship. First ever um elimination chamber women's championship match is what I should say, but for some reason I just put that it was the first ever championship elimination chamber match. Why would I put that it was the first ever championship elimination chamber match? I don't know, but that's okay. Every five minutes a pod a pod door opens, but the last one that I watched, this is interesting. This was in 2003. 2003. Um, the last one that I watched was honestly, they said every three minutes a chamber door would open. So I wonder, excuse me, I wonder why they changed it from three minutes to five minutes. Okay, so apparently, um, Banks throws Bailey over the top rope at the Royal Rumble, and, um, Corey Graves mentioned this on commentary while he was talking about the relationship of, um, Bailey and Sasha Banks. Because, Banks was thought to be Bailey's best friend at one point, and I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard that, and then um, seen Bailey let her guard down around Sasha Banks, only to be disappointed whenever Banks stabs her in the back. <clears throat> so, had that been the case, though, yeah, that was in 20, it says... In the Royal Rumble of that year in 2018, Mandy Rose is the first out of the Elimination Chamber and the Women's Royal Rumble. According to Corey Graves, he said, uh, Mandy Rose has the distinction of being not only the first lady eliminated, the first woman, rather, eliminated from the Elimination Chamber, but also the first woman eliminated from the Royal Rumble. So... That's interesting in and of itself. Um, why wouldn't they at least give Mandy a... Like, for me, I would have given Mandy a decent run. At least three, if not four, uh, pinfall attempts against someone that made it look like, you know, they were... Almost about not to kick out, but then kick out. I wouldn't book her so poorly and make her seem like she's just a jobber. Because nowadays, she's seen as a main event talent. Not sure who to thank for that, but since she dyed her hair and came back, she's not seen as Mandy Rose. She's seen as Mandy Rose. Um. Sasha off the DDT. Huge pop for Alexa. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so. Basically. Alexa wins. But the way that she wins isn't like. You know how every wrestling match has like a, they they always have like a moment wherever you're like, yep, she's going to win right here. And then she does her finisher or he does his finisher. And then after that, you know, you see the one, the two, and then the three. Oh my God, they did it. Hooray. This match, like Alexa never once hits the Twisted Bliss. She never once hits the, um... Yeah, I'm trying to think if she has another move that she does, but no, that's that's the only one, isn't it? Oh, she does the blitz flip, too, but 
I don't know if she still does that. She also does those mini curb stomps on the um, uh, ring apron or while she's hanging on to the ring uh, while she's surfing on the woman's body. Trying to think, does she have a fourth move? I don't think that she does. John Cena's got four moves. He calls them the four moves of doom. Um. But I gave it four out of five stars. Maybe it didn't deserve that because the action really didn't start picking up because until is what I should say. The action really didn't start picking up until um it came down to the final three. It came down to Banks, Bailey, and Alexa. And Alexa was the champion. But I gave it four out of five stars. I was going to give it three out of five, but the interview at the end is what pushed me to give it one more star. Because... The performance that Alexa gives in this interview, it, it, first, she starts off almost like fake crying, sort of, kind of. Like, you can hear her her saying, her doing like that. <laughs> that type of fake crying. But she wasn't crying because, and she kept wiping her eye, too. But she wasn't crying because she was sad. She was crying because this is such a special moment. And she even made the sniffles like I just did. This is such a special moment for me. And not only for me, but for little girls everywhere. And then she says, and as I look into this crowd and see all these faces, I know that you can dream. You can all dream. And then she goes, but it won't get you anywhere. And then there's just this huge pop. Like these people are just, they're just off their feet like this right here. They're just like, yay, yay. They're like cheering, yay Alexa, yay, oh my god, Alexa, she stayed true to her, um, heel roots, and Alexa swerved the crowd, one minute saying, they can dream, the next saying, they will never be as good as her, and... I don't know if it was Coachman or if it was Corey Graves, but one of them, I think it was Coachman, one of them made an alliteration to the three E's, and apparently the three E's are... Oh, shit. I didn't... So I didn't write down the three E's. I thought that I would be able to remember it. Emotion... Education and and something I don't I don't know what Corey or what um coach I'm pretty sure it was what coach was trying to say there but whatever it was I'm guessing it was a time filler either that or he was trying to somehow connect Alexa Bliss to um Kurt Angle with his three eyes. Intelligence, intensity, integrity. See, I can remember those. The next match. Okay, now before I say the next match. They were celebrating, for those of you who don't know, this match was supposed to be to celebrate the first ever women's Elimination Chamber match. Let alone the first ever women's... um, The first ever women's tag team or not tag team the first ever women's um championship elimination chamber match and had that been the case why in the fuck would it not be one of your co-main events 
If this is supposed to be such a big deal, as you say, then why in the fuck would you sit down and actually think that it was a good idea to book it as it being the first fucking match of the night? You could have made it the co-main event. You could have made it the co-main event, but instead, you chose whoever the fuck you are. I don't care if your name's Kevin Dunn, and it probably is, because he's been working for the goddamn company for years. They can't find somebody better to do this little, I don't want to call him Asian, but he sounds Asian. He sounds Indian, honestly, but... Indian, believe it or not, Indian is actually a divinity. It's actually a a division of Asian culture. But anyway, we're just going to move on. This could have been the first match. Right here, WWE Tag Team Titles are on the line. After I got done watching this, right here, I was like, oh, okay. I guess we're just going to hop right into it. And then after we did... You want to know what what came over me? A feeling of like, just, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Why would you have a tag team match? Uh, Elimination Chamber, tag team. And then I was kind of like, sitting there, I had to pause Peacock for a second, and I was wondering to myself... Main event-wise, you know, imagine this. You go to see WrestleMania one year, okay? And it's The Undertaker's last appearance. And whenever I say that, I mean it this time, okay? Or they mean it this time. Let's say that it's The Undertaker's final appearance in a WrestleMania. He decides to come back for one one last match. And he had been working hard for two or three years to come back. And let's say that it paid off. Just a hypothetical. Go with it. Don't question me. Okay? Doesn't matter who his opponent is. Really, it doesn't. Um, But let's say Undertaker decided to come back for one last WrestleMania. But... They booked it, or they made you think, not to book it, I'm going to put that in air quotes, they made you think that that was going to be the main event, because you'd been waiting five, six, seven years to see The Undertaker, right? But instead, here's what you get, The Undertaker comes out to be at WrestleMania for one last time, the final ride is what they keep calling it, for whatever reason. I guess it's a roller coaster ride now. Um, and if that's the case, just humor me for a minute. Go with this hypothetical scenario that I've drawn up. Let's say that they open the match and then they say, ladies and gentlemen, the Undertaker. And then the Undertaker comes out and then he has his match first. And let's say that it's a spectacular match. Let's say that it's five stars. That it's um near fall after 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 near fall. And then Undertaker picks up his opponent and just drives him through the mat. And gives one great fucking performance after another. You know... Or I wouldn't say after another, but, you know, one great performance of a match being another match for The Undertaker to put in his repertoire. And let's say that that happens, but it's the first match. You would expect the bar of matches to go up from here, right? If your opening contest is, quote, your best match, then you've got a problem because that best match, air quotes, should have been the main event or at least the co-main event. 
in boxing arenas, they do not, and I'm going to compare boxing to wrestling again, but in boxing arenas, they do not give you a title fight to open their fucking card. The title fights are reserved for the last three, sometimes the last four matches on that card. This was a title match, people, and they practically gave it away for the top of the card. Do you know how disrespectful that is? Maybe Alexa had a flight to catch. Maybe Bailey had a flight to catch. Maybe Mandy had a flight to catch, and that's why she was eliminated first. My point, my, my point is that if you're going to book something, don't book it poorly. My job is to tell these people, these fucking retards, how to do their job. I'm sorry if I sound a little agitated, if I sound a little bit mad, pissed off, but I have every right to be at this point. And don't worry, the last 19 minutes will be strictly for this pay-per-view. I'm not trying to fill time. Really, I'm not. But back to what I was saying nearly 10 minutes ago, I think. Um, this right here, WWE Raw Tag Team Championships, even though Michael Cole... And the program that they show it on, like, whenever they show, whenever I say program, I mean, usually they'll say, and this match is up next, ladies and gentlemen, and then they'll show you, like, a, a screen with all of the participants on it. Um, you know, like, this person versus this person, and then you'll see their nameplate, and then you'll see um them standing beside of each other, almost like looking each other in the eyes and that match is next and then they'll cut to a commercial break and then whenever they come back um that program right there will still be there for a moment but anyway on the program as well as michael cole said that this is quote for the wwe tag team championships michael cole this is your mer your merced holy crap that's my first that's my first mistake of the night, but Michael Cole, this is your first mistake of the night. <clears throat> right there, WWE Tag Team Championships, okay? But are they the Raw Tag Team titles, or are they the SmackDown Tag Team titles, you dickhead? I need to know, so that I know which roster that I'm watching. But seeing as though that Alexa's title was the Raw Women's Championship, you stupid son of a bitch, we're going to go with the fact that this right here was the Raw Tag Team Championships because you mentioned later on in the night that the SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view would be AJ Styles in a Fatal Five-Way and apparently Corey Graves can't count because whenever they were mentioning the fact that there was going to be a Fatal Five-Way and mentioning all of uh, AJ's opponents, Corey Graves, like a dumbass, only counts four people and forgets to include the champion. Anyway, what the fuck was that? <clears throat> WWE Raw Tag Team Championships, which should have been the opening contest, by the way. Um, The Bar, Sheamus and Cesaro, the champions, versus... Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews Titus Worldwide Cole calls a key lock an armbar. So Seamus has um Seamus has Apollo in a key lock and for whatever reason, Michael Cole calls it an armbar. So that's his second mistake of the night, if you're keeping track at home. And also, it's my second mistake of the night, too, because I almost accidentally called Corey Graves 
something else just a second ago because I had to hiccup while I was talking and who cares about the excuse that I'm going to make. <coughs> okay. Cole calls a key lock and armbar. Um, O'Neal in no hurry to get in into the ring. So, um, late in the match, freaking Apollo's going for the tag, and Sheamus has got Apollo an arm's length, literally like fingertips away from uh. Titus O'Neil, but Titus O'Neil isn't reaching for the tag. He's more like slightly bending over for the tag, almost like he he wants it, but he doesn't want it too bad, you know. Like Titus O'Neil, for those of you who don't know, he's like he's at least six foot, if not five eleven. You know, he could easily, if he were to use the bottom rope as leverage, and then. Uh, sort of like use his shoulder to reach a little bit further. He could probably easily, he could probably easily um close the gap between the fingertips, the fingertip measurement that he would have probably needed in order to get that tag. But he's in no hurry. Not until Seamus knocks him off the ring apron, and then once Shang Seamus Seamus. Holy crap, that's my third mistake of the night. I'm done making fun of I'm done making fun of uh Michael Cole for the night. As soon as soon as Shangus Seamus um knocks Titus O'Neill off the bottom rope off the apron rather, that's my fourth mistake of the night. My fault. He wouldn't knock him off the bottom rope. That wouldn't make much sense. Um, he tries to get into the match. Um, but I gave it two out of five stars. It was really lazy, honestly. Um, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't have much to say about it. <clears throat> Music from the pay-per-view plays without hearing it being edited out. So that's interesting because usually they'll edit out whatever music uh, that they had at the time. But the reason that this stayed, um, later on in the night they would credit the artist who sung it. Which was, I don't know the guy's name, but the name of the song was M-O-M. M-O-M. I guess it stands for Money on My Mind. I don't know. I've not got a clue. But anyway, Oscar versus Nia Jax. Okay. Well, here's I told you I was done making fun of Michael Cole for the night. I lied. <clears throat> Oscar goes 873 days undefeated. And four no, I'm sorry, 246 wins. So 870, 873 days, my fault. That's my fifth mistake of the night, for those of you keeping score. I'm in the lead, Michael. You need to catch up, because Michael Cole ain't got nearly enough mistakes, because I got more. Anyway, um, Oscar versus Nia Jax. I gave it two out of five stars, mostly because of the terrible fucking commentary. So, basement drop kick. Cole calls it a shining wizard. So, for those of you who do not know the difference between a basement drop kick and a shining wizard. And then, later on in the day, whenever Finn Balor does a basement drop kick, he acknowledges that it's a basement drop kick. So, I know damn well, Michael Cole, if you're listening, you're probably not. You're probably laughing at me because your bank account is so much higher than mine. Fuck you, Michael Cole. But if you were listening, then you know that you made a mistake in 2018 and now you're being called out about it, bitch.
here was a match that whenever I seen the hype package for, I was really looking forward to seeing because I don't remember seeing this one. Matt Hardy, the woken, not the broken, but the woken Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt says that Matt Hardy is nothing more than a false prophet. Bray Wyatt says that um he says that Matt Hardy is nothing more than a rambling maniac. I'm sorry to keep I can't keep a straight face, man. I can't. I can't. For this match, honestly, I didn't know who was the heel and who was the face. I wanted to say that Bray was the heel and that Matt Hardy was the face, but see, the match starts with Hardy who has a microphone. Whenever he gets to the ring, he doesn't say anything, he doesn't do anything. He waits until after the lights go out and then you hear run. And then all of a sudden, that creepy, whatever it is, plays over the, uh, plays over the camera, right? And all you hear, usually, whenever Bray Wyatt came to the ring at this time was, Yeah! And then all of a sudden, the camera would cut back and Bray would be in the middle of the ring. Well, instead of Bray being in the middle of the ring... With Matt Hardy, I don't know if the lights went out in the building, like whenever that happens, I don't know what they do to sell the illusion that Bray Wyatt just runs down to the ring really fast and there he is, or whether or not he hides under the ring, I I honestly don't know, it's so, like, it gets me up here, you know, up here in my mind, it really, like, plays with me. But whenever Bray Wyatt gets to the ring, Matt Hardy's not there. Michael Cole's wondering where he's at. You know, hey, wasn't Matt Hardy in the ring just a few minutes ago? Where did he go? They're sitting there scratching their head, and this was supposed to be a live event. You'd figure someone would know where he was at. But Matt Hardy apparently nowhere to be found, and he gets on the microphone and he starts making yes. Oh, you do not know where I am at, do you, Bray? Ha ha! Oh, ha ha ha! Oh, am I over there? Am I over here? Oh, Bray Wyatt can't find me. Time to play hide and seek. He gets just in Bray Wyatt's mind, you know? And it's, I feel like that's hard to do. In in a way, I've never seen a character played more demented since Mick Foley played Mankind. You know, the demented Mankind. Who knew what he was going to say or do next? But uh, we get Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt. And honestly, I wanted to give this match four out of five stars. Bray Wyatt pretty much does two moves. And that's it. He either hits Matt Hardy with a clothesline or he hits Matt Hardy with a crossbody. That's it. Like, he knows no other moves. But he sells it so well. He does them so well. He might hit a suplex, you know? But that's about it. You might see a suplex or a senton. Other than that, it was mostly just Bray Wyatt hitting Matt Hardy with a clothesline. Oh, but Matt got up. Oh, but Matt got up. Oh, but a near fall from Bray Wyatt to Matt Hardy. But I gave it three and a half stars, almost four stars, because it was so good. And the storytelling as well was just picture perfect. Honestly, I didn't know who to cheer for. Because I didn't know who was the heel or who was the face. The contrast between these two, the woken Matt Hardy, not the broken Matt Hardy. That would be an impact wrestling. This 
was a reformed Matt Hardy. He was woken. And for some reason, he just kept saying, delete, 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 like he was a computer program trying to delete something. It's entertainment at its finest, people. <clears throat> Starting to lose my voice again. Okay, so Elias starts the um, Elimination Chamber match. He comes in. He comes into the ring, right? And um, he's got a guitar in his hand. And then the thing is, is that Elias was over, but he never really got a chance. He never really got a push. Cena said, says it's a must win for him. <clears throat> so we get John Cena versus, I don't know why I put Eric. That's not Eric. That's supposed to be Elias. Versus Braun Strowman. Versus Miz. I know I was supposed to put The Miz. But who cares. Versus Finn Balor. And I spelled Finn with one N. Instead of two N's. What a fucking dumbass I am. Oh and if you're keeping score at home. I spelled Elias wrong. Um, I spelled Miz. M-I-Z. Instead of T-H-E. M-I-Z. So that's two. And I spelled Finn Balor. F-I-N instead of F-I-N-N. So that's three. Catch up to me, Michael Cole. I'm making more mistakes than you are, but you're making more money than I am, and I'm pissed off about it. Roman Reigns. Oh, Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins versus Miz versus Braun Strowman versus Elias versus John Cena. Um, Yeah, that's it. Uh, Roman says he's coming... He's going to beat Brock Lesnar at the main event of that. <clears throat> That's a spoiler. The IC title not being defended in this match tonight. Why? Like, if this is for, quote, a chance to meet Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, you would figure that it would also be, like, whoever eliminates The Miz is the new Intercontinental Champion. Just to keep the Intercontinental Champion relevant, or for that matter, the championship match relevant, you want to know what I would have done? I would have taken The Miz out of this match, because he holds no bearing in it, and I would have replaced him with one of the many jobbers that we have, giving them an opportunity... <clears throat> <clears throat> so that I could have a proper Elimination Chamber match... <clears throat> while keeping a championship relevant. <clears throat> Those jobbers that I mentioned, a lot of you people are not going to like this, but I would have put The Miz in a match against one of his former Miz Taraj buddies. Bo Dallas or... Curtis Axel. Some of you are going to think, oh, come on, you're a little bit crazy, ain't you? And I would have cut this match down by at least 12 minutes. By at least 12 minutes. <clears throat> so that I could save for... Uh, Oscar versus Nia. Honestly, I would have cut that down too. To I mean, by at least ten minutes, so that Oscar and Nia get into the match, and you know, Oscar wins because that's what she does during this match. And then after that, Oscar versus Nia, I would have had the Intercontinental Championship match. It would have probably been a triple threat, either that or it would have been one of the two. Bo Dallas, who, by the way, was, or for that matter, bring someone over from NXT. At this time, NXT was still a prevalent, prevalent, um, it was still something that they could have used as a resource. You know, I'm pretty sure Johnny Gargano uh, put him up against The Miz. Those are two superstars who have 
very good chemistry together. At least I would assume, seeing as though that I've seen Johnny Gargano face off against people like The Miz. People who have um similar style to The Miz, especially one Tommaso Ciampa. Comparing him to The Miz, of course, I would say that Ciampa is the better person, but um, in this case here, I would just take it Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, someone of that nature who was working either in NXT, WWE has a list, and I mean a list of free agents that they like to call for like certain events. And that's what they wanted to do with Sting. They wanted to make him one of those free agents that he sits on the couch and then they'll call him. And then whenever they call him, he shows up and then it's like, oh my God, it's Sting. We get to live in a moment of nostalgia. Oh my God, look at that. I would have called Robert Roode, James Storm, you know, someone to face off against The Miz and possibly beat him. That way that I, I still have the um, Elimination Chamber. And I would have put... This was the first chamber, for those of you who don't know, to have... To open with three people. So, the start of the match, you had three people who opened. I would have put one of those three in one of those pods, rather than... Rather than the way that it was booked. I'm sorry, my cats are upstairs and they're making a whole bunch of noise. And I can hear them. I'm going to probably have to close the door here in a minute. But that'll be upstairs. Next, we have the men's elimination chamber, though. But um, it just pisses me off that they would just wipe their ass with the Intercontinental Championship. I've talked about this before on my YouTube channel. Before Pat Patterson died, Sami Zayn won the Intercontinental Championship, for those of you who don't know. And I did a video about that. I said Pat Patterson was rolling in his grave. I mean, the man just died, and they're already defaming every bit of work that the man did because he beat Johnny Weaver in a, I don't know, whether it was an exhibition, I don't know whether it was like, a 16-point tournament, what the fuck happened, but he beat Johnny Weaver, apparently, whoever that is, no one remembers Johnny Weaver, R.I.P. Johnny Weaver, um, make that a hashtag somewhere, this is the seventh chamber for, for Cena, I almost said Cesaro, if he wins, he will be tied for the record for the most chamber wins at three, he has two, before this match begins. Roman's first chamber. The Miz's third chamber. And I gave it three out of five stars. In the past five years. No one has had more pay-per-view wins. Than Seth Rollins. Roman Reigns wins. It was mostly just. <clears throat> Braun Strowman. Picking people up. And slamming them and eliminating them. No one ever got eliminated unless Braun Strowman got these hands. I'm going to say that again. No one got eliminated unless Braun Strowman <clears throat> got these hands on them. If Braun, Braun Strowman... Keeping score at home. I said Braun Strowman by accident. I'm starting to lose my voice. But if Braun Strowman. That makes my seventh mistake of the night. By the way. I'm making more mistakes than I originally put down for Michael Cole to make. But that's okay. I'm not making as much money as Michael Cole. And it pisses me off. Braun Strowman got these hands on somebody they were eliminated and when they were eliminated 
it was like, oh, look at that, a running power slam. One, two, three. Oh my god, he's eliminated. No, no, don't go. Don't, don't go, please. Please stay, stay in the ring for a little bit longer. And then it would be, oh, look at that, running power slam. No, no, he can't go. He's my favorite. No. And that's all that it that it was. Honestly, I'm being generous by giving it three out of five stars. But and Roman Reigns, it came down to him and Braun Strowman. Roman Reigns hit this man with like seven or twelve or fourteen spears, and like ten or twelve or fourteen um Superman punches and three or four uppercuts, and he wouldn't go down. That Corey Graves kept saying, oh, Braun Strowman's on spaghetti legs. Oh, look at that. His eyes are all glazed, all glazed over like a couple of donuts. And for those of you keeping score at home, I just made my eighth mistake. I'm pretty sure. I can't count. If I remember correctly, that's eight mistakes because I said glazed over instead of glazed over. But I'm getting ahead of myself right now. Um, for those of you who have been joining me for the past, this is episode 18, for the past 17 episodes, thank you so much. 18 consecutive weeks of doing this, but not always on the same day. But thank you so much for all of your support. I'm going to get the hashtag out of here. And that is a wrap. My name is Mocha, and I hope you've enjoyed this content. And if you do, be sure to follow me not only on Twitter, but also on my Instagram. And my cat's starting to meow at me because I haven't fed her yet. But I'm going to go ahead and do that. I hear you, honey. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. That's a wrap.